We have some beautiful families coming to offer their precious children in dedication to the Lord. Would you stand and give them a great welcome as they come on the platform? Come on, put your hands together for these awesome families. I love these days when we are able to offer children to the Lord. And so you can be seated. God bless you. We welcome all of you today. And just before we introduce them to you, just let me give a, a context for what you are about to see. It's family saying we recognize that this child that the Lord has given us is a gift. It's a blessing. It's one of the greatest gifts there is outside of our salvation. And so they're saying, Lord, we want to do our very best in raising this child to love you and to know you. And so it's a dedication of their hearts as well as saying, you, you are the one who sets destiny for this child. You have the steps ordered, the life like pages in a book all set. And we just want to be at our best in helping shape and influence and direct this child's life. And then enjoy the turning of every page of every day. So it's a dedication of, this, of the entire family. It's a dedication of us because we all get to have a role in what I call image bearing. Uh, our mark upon these children through our influence. So it's all of us. So it's an amazing moment. It's profound. And so we want to introduce them to you and then lead in that way. Kelly? The first little princess we're going to welcome today is Erin Na Abishai. And her parents are Maxwell and Gifty. <laughs> her handsome big brother is Jess Lord, and her big sister is Maxwella. Let's welcome this family today. Next, we have Kennedy Claire Corley. Kennedy's parents are Kurt and Angela, and her big sisters are Caroline and Brooklyn. Let's make them welcome today. Next, we welcome Gabriel Paul Foster, and Gabriel's mom is Caitlin. Let's welcome him. <laughs> Next, we have Grant Joseph Hager. Grant's parents are Jeff and Annie, and big brother Seth. Next, we have Silas, Alexander Martin. Silas's parents are Corey and Mary and big sister Penelope. <laughs> and finally, we have Gavin John Yakey. Gavin's mom and dad are Elijah and Lisa. Let's welcome them today. one of these children they are miracles from God and they all have their story I, I do want to give God thanks as we uh, introduce to you Kennedy Corley uh, when she was born there were major complications and even one report when she was in NICU that maybe she would be in the hospital for two months and a miracle happened just an absolute miracle and there are over 23 family members here today with them and two nurses that witnessed this absolute miracle from God 
in Kennedy's body. Each child is a miracle, and we celebrate that. We celebrate the miracle in Kennedy's life already. Amen? Amen. And I would say this to the Corleys. I would say this to every one of you. You've already witnessed the faithfulness of God at that level. Kelly and I are personal witnesses to the faithfulness of the Lord to our children and in being parents at every level, in every season. You will find him faithful now. You will find him faithful in the years to come. You will find him faithful as they enter adulthood. You will find him faithful. What we're doing is what Moses said to Joshua. He said to Joshua, hey, you take this baton of faith and like runners in a relay, you pass that baton of faith on so that the race can be run with great passion, with great energy, with great success. Our prayer today is that the joy of the Lord would fill every heart and home represented here. Our prayers for you as parents that you know that we are here for you and with you and that this is your greatest responsibility and your greatest joy. And we, we pray that the Lord would strengthen you with might by the Holy Spirit for the responsibility and the opportunity that is yours as parents. Our prayer is that you would have the wisdom of God because this is a unique culture to navigate, but you're going to do it with great success and you are holding a world changer. That is the blessing of the Lord in your life and you're going to pass on this heritage of faith. And each one of these boys and girls, we believe at a young age, because of the compelling witness of their parents and their church, they will be quick to say, Jesus, be my personal Savior. Come into my heart and lead my life. That is our prayer. Would you stand with me, everyone? And we're going to go to the Lord and offer these children in dedication. Lord, we close our eyes in your presence and we thank you for these families. We offer to you Aaron, Kennedy, Gabriel, Grant, Silas, and Gavin. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the creative miracle of their life. Thank you, God, for knowing that this day would come, that the date of their birth was set in your sovereignty. And with that sovereign date of birth, there is now a life to be lived, a destiny to be realized. And Lord, it starts in moments like this where we're reminded of the high calling of just living a life that models for those around us what it is to know Jesus. We pray for these parents that wisdom would be theirs, that strength and joy and perseverance would be theirs as they lead their family. Lord, protect their home. Protect their children. Lord, and when the storms beat upon their homes because they're established on you, the rock, Christ Jesus, when the storm passes, their family remains as a testimony to your faithfulness. You are faithful in the seasons of life. You are faithful at every level of life. And so we pray blessings. We pray, God, that you would surround these children like a wall on their left and right and behind them so that the way that is before them would be crystal clear. We dedicate them now to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. One more time, let's praise God and celebrate these families. We love all of you. Love you so much. Amen.
God bless you. Hey, as they are exiting, turn to several people around you and say good morning. You may see someone that you've not met. Meet them. Introduce yourself if you will. beautiful awesome brand new preschool chapel that's part of a building that's 19,000 square feet just the first floor that's just open and it's just one of our commitments to this next generation that every one of these children would have those who would attend to them when they come to church in love and vision for them and that the facility would also make a statement that it wraps around the kind of ministry and vision that we have for each one of them Helping make vision happen is the kind of couple that I have on the platform. And let me just invite you guys, come up here with me if you will. This is Max and Vera Brissy. Max was born in 1930, and this is the only church he has ever attended in his life. Max and Vera have been married for 60 years. For the last 36 years, Max and Vera have served in the highest role of leadership at this church, and that is the role of deacon. Max is now going to resign that responsibility and continue other things in service for the Lord. But when I reference the new building, then let's back it up to this building. Let's back it up to the 110,000 square feet that we have on Main Street in downtown Broken Arrow. Just three miles away, we have a 55-acre park that helps us to host all kinds of events for our church and community. You back it up all of these years, and the reason we're sitting in realized vision, and the reason that the vision of going forward has such momentum is because of incredible people like Max and Vera. There would be no platform for a pastor to preach. There would be no congregation for a pastor to lead if there were not men and women who said, look, we'll accept the mantle of leadership with you. They have prayed for us. Let me speak for the last seven years. Any pastor that they've served over these 36 years would tell you what I'm telling you right now. You can't find more loving, committed people. Not a day goes by that they don't call our names out in prayer. And I'm talking about our church our leadership team, the most incredible devotion to the vision, forward in thinking, a passion for every generation, and a willingness to give all of who they are to see that the kingdom of God would go forward through this local church. When I look at the list of the fruit of the Spirit in the book of Galatians, there are nine of them. It is amazing that you see each one of those qualities in a powerful way in this couple. 
And that list is given to us as we are changed by the Lord and committing ourselves to the Lord, that we live a life that models Christ. And if we do that, it's going to be love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, faith, goodness, gentleness. We're going to see all of those qualities because that's the way Jesus was. And thank you for modeling over the years who Jesus is so that we not only understood church, but we understood Jesus. So that we not only could take on a tenet of faith within a local church, but we could embrace a biblical worldview because we watched you. You have sown into this church in ways that only heaven can record. When I watched our new building go from groundwork to foundation to building, Max and Vera represent every one of those components. So foundational. And yet when you walk in the building now, it's beautiful, it's intriguing, it's, it's amazing. And you continue to make the church that not only foundational, but you, you made the church uh, make other people want to know more about Jesus. On this day, we honor you for being the most incredible examples to us and for your faithful service as deacons for 36 years. Ladies and gentlemen, Max and Vera Brissi. standing everybody remain standing tonight at five o'clock we're going to celebrate 2015 and what we call an annual church business meeting and celebration and we're going to talk more about them and got some special things we're going to give them so you're invited back for that but i wanted you to have that opportunity you know what it's time out of this atmosphere just to give the lord the highest praise he's worthy and his love for us is amazing you can feel it in this room already just give him your highest and your best and watch when you leave this place if you're not able to say, man, God met me today. Let's give the Lord a clap offering of praise and let's worship.
Jesus, we set our attention on you this morning. God, we're so thankful for your love. Come on, let's sing standing here. Standing here in your presence, in a grace so relentless, I the last forever sinking deep in mercy seen I'm wide awake drawing close so about grace and oh my heart is yours I see no fear don't fear in mercy I breathe you in I need 
great day to be in the house of the Lord today. I know we've already had one opportunity to greet each other, but let's just take one more opportunity. Maybe meet someone around you, welcome yourselves, and introduce yourself to someone today. church. It's exciting to be here this morning. I am so glad that you have joined us at the 1045 service. I'm Barry. I'm one of the associate pastors here at the assembly, and we are honored that you have joined in worship with us today. Many of you, this might be one of your first times to attend here at the assembly. In these next few moments, we would love the opportunity to get a little information about you so that we can continue to connect with you and give you some great information about our church. The connect card is in the seat back in front of you. In these next few moments, if you'll fill that out, that will allow us that opportunity to follow up with you. Well, I want to recognize a special group of people this morning who are joining our church in membership. So over here to my right, we have a group of 16 adults, 33 total, that are joining the church. Would you guys stand so that we can honor you this morning? Assembly family, let's show how excited we are that we are welcoming them to our church family. are so honored that you have decided to join us in membership. We know God has a special purpose for you guys. I know you're finding your destiny, fulfilling that purpose, and we are just excited that we get to partner with you as you do that. We've had over a hundred adults join the church since we started Growth Track. We just started Growth Track 101 this week. If you are interested in taking the next step, if you are interested in learning more about this church and how you can get involved here, come to Growth Track next Sunday, 9 o'clock. You can get the information in your bulletin or online at theassembly.org. We'd love for you to join us on this spiritual journey that we're taking together. Well, this is a busy week around here. We're getting into the spring season. Next week, we are continuing the Love Does series, and we're having the author of the book, Love Does, Bob Goff back with us, and I know you're going to want to come to that. He's a best-selling author. He's been here two times. He's done an amazing job both times. He's challenged us to put action to our love. We're going to be selling his book. We're going to have opportunity to connect with him in special ways next week. So you want to invite your friends. You want to let folks know on Facebook and Twitter that Bob Goff is back with us, both services, 9 and 1045, uh, this next week, March 13th. You'll also want to set your clock ahead an hour so that you don't miss him if you come a little late. Hey, with that, we also have some other events that are coming up that I wanna make you aware of. Uh, one of the classes that just started today, Financial Peace, we're offering both on Sunday and Wednesday. If you're in a season of your life where you just wanna get better at your finances, one of the things that we wanna help you is to help you grow stronger in your finances. And so we're offering classes throughout the year. Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace is one of those tools that we've used and we find it very effective. That class is being offered on Sundays at nine and Wednesdays at seven. So if you're interested in that, check that out online and call the office for more information about how you might be a part of that. As we go into next week, a week from this week, we are having a wonderful time looking forward to Impact's 
spring retreat. Let me hear students. All right. Our students are pumped up. They had their draft last week, but it's not too late. If you have a 6th through 12th grader and you are interested in giving them a supercharged spring break with spiritual fervor and excitement and fellowship, I can't think of a better way than signing your student up today, even in the lobby. We're going to have a table out here after this service over to my left, and you'll have a representative out there. If finances are a reason why you haven't signed up yet, stop by today. We've got scholarships available. We want every student that has any interest in going. It's a Wednesday to a Saturday. Uh, You can check the bulletin there for the dates and everything, but stop by that table. Let them know. Pick up an application. Ask any questions you have. I can tell you I've had three kids go through this, and they are having the, the time of their life and they come back changed because they are really taking that time to go deeper spiritually while they're having a lot of fun in the midst of that. Pastor Chris does a good job of that. Let's hear it for Pastor Chris. All right. All right. This is also the season where we're looking in the summer and this summer we are doing a kids camp again and today is the last day to get the early bird price on that. So if you have an elementary student, first grade through fifth grade, make sure you look at that. Make sure you get to the website today and sign up if you want to get that early bird rate. I think we only have about 20 spaces left so it's urgent that you go ahead and take care of that today. Well, in a season like this, it's always fun to reflect. This afternoon, we're going to have our annual business celebration at 5 o'clock. I know you're excited about that. We are going to be electing uh, some new board members, ratifying some that have been a part of it. We're going to have an opportunity to do that at 5 o'clock. If you have a preschooler or a nursery child, we have nursery and preschool available tonight. And that service or that, that meeting shouldn't last more than about 45 minutes. So make a little extra effort. Mark your calendar. Make sure you come this afternoon, 5 o'clock, for that annual business celebration while we celebrate what God, God is doing in the church and what he's done this last year. Hey, in that, in that train of thinking, I'd love the opportunity to give you just a sketch, a thumbnail uh, highlight reel, you could call it, of our neighbors and nations over this last week, or over this last year, actually. So let's look to the screen as we look at what God has done through this past year. This is the reason that the assembly exists. We exist to serve neighbors and nations. We're gonna serve our neighbors and nations by helping them to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Well, yesterday was our Easter carnival. It was incredible. We had over 7,300 people on campus yesterday. Come on, that's something to celebrate. Guys, we're the church. We're a movement. We're becoming love.
What an awesome church. It's your church. You are the church. Thank you for putting your heart and soul into all of that. Neighbors and nations, that is the way we reach out to our community in initiatives like the Easter Carnival, the Night to Shine. It's how we reach around the world in Malawi, China, Uganda, Thailand. And as the ushers come today, I want you to know that as you give, if you are willing to give in addition to your tithe and designated neighbors and nations, we then can take that and we bless 70 missionary families every month that are serving Jesus around the world. This is how we build the team and do all that we're going to do in these outreaches to our community. It's how we keep our food and clothing pantry open uh, throughout the week and serve more and more families as the years go by. It is a far-reaching influence, and we're going to show videos like that consistently so that you can see all that you're a part of as you pray, as you serve, and as you give. It is truly amazing what the Lord is doing through the ministry of this local church, not only here, but around the world. And we're going to pray and give God thanks for it. And I want to challenge you to do your best today as you give. Thank you, Jesus, for the church. Thank you for loving the world and being the hope of the world and allowing us to communicate in different ways, in different places, with different partnerships that you are that hope so that many can turn to you and know the joy that we experience in our relationship with you. Lord God, we thank you for the next event, which is our Easter Carnival, believing for thousands of people around this community to come and experience a fun day that will create a lot of great conversations where we can point them to you. We thank you, Lord, for the coming missions trip to Thailand and then on to Uganda and Malawi. Lord God, you're doing amazing things. And so just take this time of giving and may it be worship and Lord let it reach really far in the need that is in front of us in Jesus name amen God bless you as you give today glad you're here today because we're talking about what I think is the, one of the most important needs, uh, one of the most important lessons that we have to get right to really reach our community, to really be effective in the world, to be effective in our neighborhoods, where we work, where we go to school. We've been talking about what love does. Until now, we've expressed it through how love encourages one another. Today I want to talk about how love accepts one another. 
And this is going to create some tension, uh, and it's, it's by design so that it really presses us to think. Think about where we are in relation to this challenge, to think how we can do better, how we can live it out. And so I just encourage you to take your Bibles, and I want you to start with me in the book of Romans. The book of Romans, and let's begin in chapter 15. The book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 7 says, Therefore, accept each other, just as Christ accepted you, so that God will be given glory. That first phrase, accept each other, that's the challenge. That's what we believe that love does. But it is qualified through how Christ modeled acceptance. So if you and I are going to understand how large our circle of acceptance should be, we have to study Jesus. And it's really important because if I define uh, the extent to which I accept other people, it may be a very limited acceptance. So may the Holy Spirit challenge us today. Let me start with a question. Is there someone in your life with whom is totally opposite of your perspective and worldview? In the first service, I said, is there someone that you know that is opposite you? And all of these, like, husband, wife, they just start, like, looking at each other, like... And it's really not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is, do you know someone who has a totally different worldview, different value system, different perspective? Like, they couldn't be more opposite than you in how you believe. And if you do, how do you respond to that person? Do you dismiss them? Or do you accept them? Do you engage with them or do you attack them? How would God want us to respond? And so that is kind of like the, the jumping into this lesson. The Bible says, accept each other. Even people that I disagree with, even people that are living opposite of what I believe to be biblical Christianity, am I to accept people that I know are living opposite uh, of what Christ has died and given his life for us to know and the life he wants us to live? Are you talking about them? Are you talking about people who even have like an anti-God attitude? What are you talking about? Well, let, let's let Jesus answer who we should accept and what acceptance means and how it works. So let's now take our Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 9. It says, as Jesus was walking along... He saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Let me stop there for a moment and see the description of Matthew. He was a tax collector. And when you read the New Testament, you'll note a trend. A trend is when the Bible starts talking about sinners, it will often say, and tax collectors. Like, they were sinners, but it was like they were at a, a worse level. Like, even though, like it, it brought out an attitude in that culture of an even greater and deeper disdain, like a sinner. And this person was not only a sinner, but a tax collector. So with that in mind, it helps us get the tone of what we're dealing with. Jesus says, follow me and be my disciple. So Matthew got up and followed him. So Jesus goes into Matthew's space. In that time, there was a tax collector's booth. They also went house to house 
Speaking of Matthew, he worked for the Roman government. And as long as the Roman government got their share of taxes, then these individual tax collectors could go and impose whatever tax they wanted and just rip people off, manipulate people, take advantage of people. And so they were known to be like snakes in the grass. And somewhere along the way, Jesus becomes a friend of Matthew. And Jesus sees potential in Matthew, and Matthew sees redemption in Jesus. So I want to put a couple of words on the screen for you. They are acceptance and change. Do people who belong in your circle of friends have to change before they are accepted, or can they be accepted before they change? Did Jesus accept Matthew before he changed? We know Matthew is this great follower of Jesus. We know Matthew, whose name is on this book, one of the synoptic gospels. We get the whole beginning of the New Testament story as we begin in the book of Matthew, this incredible follower of Jesus, but who once was a sinner, and not only a sinner, but a tax collector. And Jesus became his friend, and along the way, Matthew realized the need for change and has his heart and life so revolutionized that he's this follower of Jesus and a great influence, and we're still talking about him in 2016. I think it's easy, if we aren't careful, that we'll want people to change before we accept them. It's definitely more comfortable that way. If people would get their act together, then it's not as awkward. There's not as much explaining to do. There's not this debate that comes at us, if I accept somebody, am I also accepting their behavior? Can I accept someone as my friend even if they have unacceptable behavior? Can someone be my friend and can I intentionally build a friendship with someone who's completely opposite me as a follower of Jesus? Can I accept them before they ever change or it, maybe they never will change? Can they still be my friend? Or do they have to change before I accept them? The pattern that I believe Jesus models is that he accepts people and then they change. Now I'm telling you that's what I see. You travel with me today and see if you agree. Let's see if this is what Jesus is trying to get us to see in Romans. That accepting each other is that I will accept people before they change. So Jesus here continues. Let's look at verse 10. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples. See, Matthew has a new squad now, new group of friends. And he invites Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Now let's just pause there and consider this. Here is Matthew obviously getting to a point of saying, Jesus, you have changed my life. I've never experienced anything like this. And I have a lot of friends who are where I used to be. They're living right now the way I was living when you befriended me. If I invited all of them to my house, would you come? There's going to be a lot of people, so the more like followers of you that I could get there, the better. Would you and your disciples come to my house if I throw a party 
for all of my friends who are tax collectors and disreputable sinners? Or Jesus, do they need to change before you could come to my house? Because in that day, a meal was a a huge event. It lasted for hours. And Jesus going there and associating with those people was going to make a very clear statement. His action of going to Matthew's home with those people is an action of Jesus saying, I accept these people. You say, how do you get that? Look at what happens. Now we're in verse 11. But when the Pharisees, that's the religious people, when they saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? So you, you, do you see the religious crowd is like, you can't be with them. You can't possibly be seen as associating and accepting them because of the life they live. They need to change. It's like if you're a good apple and you get around bad apples, the good apple can't make the bad apples good. The bad apples will make the good apple bad. And I could never repeat that. I hope that came out the way I hope. If it didn't, choose a different fruit, work it out. I'm saying Jesus went to the party. And there were some really bad people there. And they thought that was unacceptable. Can Jesus be accepting of people like that as a friend without accepting their behavior? Jesus was even called the friend of who? Sinners. Now when Jesus heard, he said it's healthy people. They don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Now, there's, there are layers to this conversation. He's talking to the religious crowd. They're like, you're with these people. And Jesus says, well, it's the unhealthy that need a doctor. The layer is, first of all, religious crowd, you think you're healthy. And you don't realize how unhealthy you are. But you don't recognize your need of me. These people know they're unhealthy. And, and they are even, they, like, I got invited. Like, one of my followers got intentional and invited all of his friends who are really far from me, don't know me, and have a lifestyle opposite of my plan for their life. And I can't wait because that's why I'm here. Acceptance comes before change. Acceptance doesn't mean that someone's behavior is acceptable. It just reminds me that Jesus didn't die for the church. He died for the world. Amen? He died for people who need to be saved. This can make us feel like maybe we're going soft on sin. It is okay to acknowledge the tension that gets inside of us. Like, where is the line? At what point am I being tolerant that a person is comfortable in their sin? But at what point am I being unaccepting? And then they will never know the love of God. See, here's what I believe. When... Jesus got into the life of Matthew and he accepted Matthew, not his behavior. 
I think that kind of love is what motivated the change that happened in Matthew's life. I think that for any sinner that you see Jesus associate with, it was his acceptance. It was his love that motivated them to change. Get up in someone's face and just express anger, express frustration in how they're living. Tell them how far off they are and see how much motivation they have to change their life. Acceptance comes before change. Now, if we haven't done enough to set that as the way Jesus modeled it, let's continue. Would you go to the book of Luke? The book of Luke, and let's go to chapter 19, and just we're trying to let Scripture define Scripture. I'm presenting to you these passages. I want you to think them through. See where you land on this. In Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was, notice the description, the chief tax collector. So like, this guy was running a racket. He had others working for him who were manipulating, who were taking advantage of people. He was the chief in the entire region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Let me start, stop right there, because this is going to create another issue for Jesus. Growing up in church, I learned this story through a song. And it was about Zacchaeus, this wee little man. A wee little man was he. And he climbed up in the... Because the Lord, he wanted... Now, ultimately, the song tells about Jesus passing that way. And, and Jesus saying, you come down out of that tree... And I'm from the South, so Jesus said, we're going to your house for sweet tea. <laughs> Not just going for tea, we're going for sweet tea. And so, you know, I, even one of my teachers, you know, served us sweet tea because Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house and we were singing that song and drinking sweet tea. But as a little boy, I didn't realize all the drama that was going on in this story. And as I've gotten older and I read it, I go, you know, it would have been better for Jesus when Jesus got to the tree to say, Zach, and just whispered in Zach's ear, like, lean down here. I need to, I, I, no one needs to hear what I'm about to tell you. Zach, while you're up in the tree, would you say, like, really loud, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. I've been a horrible tax collector, and I've taken advantage of people, but I'm changing because I'm inviting Jesus into my heart. And if I have manipulated anybody, I'm going to pay back four times what I took from you. And Jesus said, we good? I'll get back up there and say that. Then we'll go to your house for sweet tea and no one will care. But if I go to your house before you change... It's going to create all kinds of issues. Jesus is sovereign. 
He knows Zacchaeus is going to be there. He knows he's going to climb the tree. Jesus could have said to one of his followers, look, you need to run up, be like the front team. You need to go, and there's going to be a guy in there. His name is Zach. He's going to be climbing a tree. Just tell him when he gets up there and I come close to begin to declare that he is changing his life. And then we can go to his house and get to know each other without all the drama. Now, let's pick up the story. Starting in verse 6, Zacchaeus quickly came down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. What they're saying is, he needs to change before you go to his house. Because when you go to his house, you are being accepting of him. And change comes before acceptance. But Jesus didn't model that. It would have been easier. Let me show you the words acceptance and change. If you've grown up in church, and especially the Assembly of God Church, our theology and our songs have always been this right here, acceptance and then change. It's always been our theology. Why? Because we believe that Jesus was the propitiation of our sin, that he stepped in and took our place and all of the wrath of God, all of the frustration of God, the anger of God towards sin was like all gathered up and placed on Jesus who offered himself as a perfect sinless sacrifice so that the holiness, justice of God would be met. And all of those expectations satisfied so that prophets, seeing what Jesus would do, would speak of the day that Jesus would give his life and say, on that day, the anger of God was averted. And Jesus became the one who bore all of our sin, which means that God nor Jesus is looking down on the world today angry. So through the years, we've sung about this amazing grace and we've, we've established tenets of faith that all say, we love you just as you are. Come as you are. Because we believe that God will change you. But it's been much harder to really put this into practice as culture has gotten so challenging. Sometimes we do feel like, man, if I... If I befriend this person, I can look as though I'm being accepting of their behavior when I'm just trying to be accepting of them as a friend and then hoping that grace will happen in their life and they'll be changed. See, if we try to reverse this where you change before you're accepted, that's like saying if you have a son who's young or a daughter and they're wanting to play baseball this summer and they've never played before, and it's kind of awkward as they learn how to throw and how to catch and how to bat and knowing. I remember I was coaching a t-ball team one time. The kid hit the ball and he ran to third. Like, like, let's, no, here's the deal. When you hit, you run this way. We, we start at first, then second, then third. His dad didn't say, look, okay, you want to play baseball? Then you go learn to play and I'll get you a coach. It's not... You change, and then we'll get you accepted on a team. No, it's, okay, you know nothing about baseball, but you want to play baseball, so we're going to get you accepted on a team, and they're going to coach you up and change you into a baseball player. 
Two nights ago, our family was having dinner, and I, I ordered sea bass. And man, when that sea bass came, I was worshiping. It was right. It was perfect. It was awesome. And I thought, as I was looking at that incredible filet, that there was a time it didn't look like that. There was a time it was slimy, and it was in some body of water, and somebody caught it. Somebody cleaned it. Matter of fact, I googled Chilean sea bass, because that's really cool to put that on the menu. It's really like this toothless, ugly fish. It's the most unsightly thing. But by the time it got to my plate, it was a delicacy. Now, through church history, we've said, man, grace catches fish and the Holy Spirit cleans them. But we would rather that they come in filleted, tidied up, like with all their slime and their stuff figured out. But that would be, you have to change before we can accept you. And what culture is really sensitive to right now, because of all that's being said, is whether or not the church is going to expect them to change before they are accepted. Or will we accept them and then trust for change to occur? We say it this way, in your circle of friends, can someone belong in, in your circle of friends if they don't believe like you and they don't behave like you? Can they still be your friend? If they can belong as your friend, then because of the influence of your life, chances are they will be made thirsty for that same grace and life change and they'll start believing like you. And as they start believing like you, then that makes its way to their behavior and their behavior change. And they are, they are the, the beautiful filet follower of Jesus. But they got there because you let them belong when life was messy, when they were opposite you in your view, when they didn't know uh, as much about grace or about Jesus or knew and rejected, but you still love them. You accepted them, not their behavior. And because they could belong along the way, they believe, and then they behave. If we aren't careful in the church, we can send out a message that says, if you will behave and believe the way we do, you can belong. We reverse it, which is, if you change, we will accept you. Selah. <laughs> okay. While we're out in these barracuda waters, let's just keep right on going. Okay. So, okay, well, elaborate, because all these questions. See, you can talk to yourself four times faster than I can talk to you. So when I'm making these statements, you're hearing another voice, which is your voice, saying to you four times faster than I can talk to you all the things that 
that you can say to yourself when you hear something like this. Because what are the implications? Just what are you really saying? Are you meaning? Are you meaning? And, and that's why communication is so challenging. And you just pray, oh, God, please take the seed of your word and plant it in our hearts and let it bear fruit. Because all kinds of things are going on in our mind. So I'm not finished, so let, let's, let's keep going. Jesus is our example of accepting each other. How did Jesus come? He came full of grace and truth. Let me put those words up. Jesus came full of grace and truth. I've talked about two men, Matthew and Zacchaeus. Let's consider the lady caught in the act of adultery. Like She was caught. She's drugged and thrown at the feet of Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Jesus communicates with her and says, hey, I don't condemn you. That's grace. And then he says, but go and sin no more. Like, don't keep living this way. I don't condemn you, but I don't condone the way you're living. And so because Jesus had that beautiful balance of grace and truth, that lady was changed, and it was a great message to the religious crowd that day. One day, Jesus said to his followers, today we're going to Samaria. They said, no, you're going to Samaria. We're not going to Samaria because we don't accept Samaritans. Jesus said, we're going to Samaria. We're going right through Samaria because there's someone there that I need to meet. So he goes and gets to the very center of all of the the village's activity. It's where they drew water. And here comes this woman and she's drawing water and Jesus is there and he has just this unique way of getting into this conversation and is the most grace-filled conversation until they are really connecting and he's talking. And then he says to her, you've been married five times and the guy you're living with is not your husband. That was truth. And he goes, what's happening in your life? Here's what he's trying to communicate. You're looking for men to meet a void and a vacancy in your soul. But when you get into a relationship and it doesn't satisfy, it's like coming and getting water. You drink it but you still are thirsty, so you have to come and get more. And what I'm saying to you, if you'll look to me for a relationship spiritually with me, it would be equivalent to drinking water that is so fulfilling and lasting that you never, ever, ever thirst again. And she entered that relationship with Jesus, and it revolutionized her life until she sprints to everyone that she knows and says, you got to come meet this man. But it was a beautiful balance of grace and truth. Nicodemus, very religious man, but struggling, had tension in his heart because he was watching people who were following Jesus. They had something he didn't have. And so Nicodemus wants to meet with Jesus, but that's going to be risky And so Jesus is willing to meet with Nicodemus at night. That's grace. Nick, I'll meet with you on your terms. That's where Nick at night came from, that passage of Scripture right there. So he goes and and, and he meets with Nicodemus at night. And they're talking about religion and history. and, and, And then Jesus goes to truth. He says, look, Nick. You have to be born again. Truth. And Nicodemus was. And he was one of the most amazing people to watch. 
around the crucifixion and the resurrection. In all of these stories, we see acceptance and then change. In all of these stories, we see grace beautifully balanced with truth. If we gloss over everything with grace, then no one gets set free because it's truth that sets people free. But if there's no grace, there's not going to be any changed hearts because grace makes the heart ready for truth. And I'm not saying this is an easy balance. I'm just saying we got to be challenged by Jesus and check ourselves because people need Jesus. And he gave us the model of how we can connect and see them saved and changed. Man. Help us, Lord, to strike this amazing, amazing balance. So what would be a takeaway? If acceptance doesn't mean I am accepting unacceptable behavior and that by my friendship with people, they can see Jesus because the salt of your Relationship with Jesus has to have proximity to make people want what you have. So that means I'll be a friend of sinners as Jesus was. That means I'll, I'll take the questions if you point a finger because I'm working with someone who hasn't got it all figured out. I'm good with that. And I'll trust that when their heart opens to grace, Jesus will take them from all of their brokenness, their baggage, their issues, their patterns, their addictions, in one miracle after another, he'll uncomplicate their life, change their life, transform their life until they're like a trophy of grace. If someone wasn't accepting of you and me, would any of us be here? If we had to be good enough to be accepted, would any of us have made the journey? So here, here's, a, here's a couple of takeaways. If you want to try this or you're willing to go for it, here's how I would suggest. Get to know the story of the person who's opposite you and their vision, their worldview, their lifestyle. Get to know them. Get to know their story. I'll give you two things. I want to unpack it for just a moment as we close and the worship team will come. Get to know their story, but be firm in your convictions. Grace and truth. Like, talk to a teenager and say, hey, open up to me and tell me, what is it like to be a teenager now? What's it like to be a single parent? Talk to me. What's it like for the single mom? He's trying to wear both hats. What's it like? Growing up in church with a theology that was acceptance and then change. I watched when people got divorced. They were like marked. ostracized
unaccepted. One of my best friends in high school has a girlfriend and they're having sex and she gets pregnant. The church she was going to kicked her out of church and even our school, public school, it's like trying to figure out if she would be allowed to come to school. What's it like for the person who's had an abortion? What's it like to be them? Wonder what their story is. person who has confusion about identity a person who is attracted to someone of the same sex what's it like I wonder what their story is I wonder what is in the mixture of their life that has shaped their concept of themselves and their concept of people I wonder what has fueled their desires I wonder if we could help them more if we knew them better We all know that addiction is sin. It's sin. To the person who's addicted to crack cocaine, we know it's sin. To the person who's addicted to food, it's sin. I wonder what the real story is of that person who got hooked on crack. Now is controlled by it and has lost everything as a result of it. I wonder what the story is of that person who's an emotional eater, and I wonder what happened to where they, they got where they can't they can't push away from the food. So when you get to know someone's story, it doesn't change your theology. It just gives you a different perspective than than grouping all these people up and just pointing fingers at interest groups. My papa, he smoked from the time he was like 14 until late in his life. Now, I came from a very godly family, went to church. My mama was one of these spiritual giants. And I remember saying, Mama, is papa going to heaven? She said, yes, he may may smell like smoke when he gets there, but he's going. Well, does that apply? You see, I believe that. I do. Because I don't think that action is the sum total of someone's heart. Here's the thing. He quit smoking. Praise God. But here's my thing. No one ever said, Papa, you evil nicotine addict. Don't you come back in this house until you quit smoking. We loved him. 
One of my uncles, he went through a divorce. And then it got awkward in church, small church. My church was so small, we knew everybody's unspoken requests. Have <laughs> you ever been in those services? Anybody got prayer requests? Yeah, pray for my aunt, pray for my niece, pray for my knee. I have an unspoken request. We're like, say it. We know what it is. Uh, so when my uncle got this divorce, it was, he quit coming to church. He was my Royal Ranger leader. He was my uncle. Melmaw kept loving him, his mother. And I watched acceptance motivate change. Firm in your conviction. Get to know their story, firm your conviction. Here's the way it would work. If you, if you have a friend that is in a same-sex relationship, here, here's how this works. The Bible is clear. The same-sex relationship is sin. It's clear. So that's truth. You speak that truth in grace. They can be your friend. Absolutely. You may be the very one the Lord uses to cause them to work through pain and confusion and whatever it is that makes their story what it is that has them doing what they're doing. It may be the very thing. What's it like for that person that's on the other side of you, that is opposite of you? What is their story? And when you get to know their story, it, it just, it changes your treatment of them. It doesn't change your theology. It doesn't change your convictions. It just helps you to express that in love. And if we can get this as followers of Jesus, we're going to really be an influence. And if we can get this right as a church, we're really going to get this right. It's like, it's like, I mean, what's the story of someone who really wants to vote for Hillary? What's the story of someone who wants to vote for Donald Trump? What's the story of someone who, who thinks that you can't be Democrat and be saved? And what's the story of someone who sees a Republican is so rigid? And see. Let's get into each other's story, grace, and truth. You don't change your convictions. Be clear on biblical convictions. Peter said, be able to clarify the, the hope that you have and the position that you take. And then Paul said, and express that in love. And let the seed of the word mixed with love just begin to circulate in someone's heart and see if it doesn't continue a conversation until they're like, you know what? Like Nicodemus, or like that woman of Samaria, or like Matthew, or like Zacchaeus. You took me in, you accepted me. And man, the Jesus I see in you, I need, and I need, a, I need my life to change. You know, they begin to submit and surrender. Are we willing for ministry to be really messy? Or do we have to have everybody filleted 
before we're comfortable. Let's pray right now. Holy Spirit, thank you for the beauty of your grace and the power of your truth. Thank you, Lord, for grace that connects with truth and begins to show us your love and our need for change and how to change. Thank you, Lord, for a gospel that is inclusive. Thank you for a gospel that reaches to the hurting and the broken. Thank you, Jesus, for being the model and telling stories like a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and just, just one left the fold. 99 was still great success. But you left the 99 and went after the one. Thank you, Jesus, for going to Zacchaeus' house before he changed. Thank you for being a friend to Matthew before he changed. Thank you for going to his house when he invited all of his friends over who were where he used to be. Thank you, Jesus, for going into Samaria and changing a life. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to my sin-sick soul and finding me and forgiving me Thank you, Lord, for grace and truth. Thank you for acceptance and change. With every head bowed and eye closed, I know that as followers of Jesus, you're processing this and you're going to be careful to let the Holy Spirit lead you in how to apply it. But here's my question. I believe there's someone here and you feel unaccepted. And I don't mean that by necessarily treatment of this church. It's just that you feel in your heart that you can't be accepted. And I'm here to tell you that the last chapter of your story has not been written. And I'm here to tell you that I love you and we love you. And we accept you. I do tell you that if you're dealing with tension about the way your life is going and that if things aren't working and You've reached for things that you thought would really fulfill you, and they haven't. I will tell you that when I was on that journey, what changed it all for me was Jesus. And what I've seen change that for hundreds of others is Jesus. And I would ask you to consider to open your heart to Jesus. And when you experience his love, you're going to sense the deepest acceptance you've ever known. And you will find you're not an exception to God's acceptance. You're not. And today, you can open your heart to Him and He can write the next chapter and it can hold content that you never dreamed possible. That's the hope that's in Him. That's the power of His love. That's the power of His truth. If you say, well, Ron, you're talking to me. You're talking to me. Would you just raise your hand right now? Let me pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. And God bless you. Someone else, oh man, my heart goes out. Don't you sit there feeling unaccepted. We love you. We love you. We care about you and your story and all that comes with your story and all that's in there, no matter how sordid, no matter how desperate. We, we love you. Jesus loves you. Amen. Now look at me, everybody. This is a moment countenance and I know it's I've gone over but would you give me just a few more minutes 
I heard Judah Smith say that his little boy, five years old, was upstairs and was pouring water on his brother, getting water all over the floor. And Judah went upstairs and said to his five-year-old, what are you doing? And he said, my tongue was not that bad, but he said, I could see myself in the mirror and my countenance was like, it showed my anger. And he said, there's my five-year-old like, Basically, I'm doing what any five-year-old would do. We have water and a cup and a brother. I'm going to, you know. And he said, I realized that countenance is more powerful than words. Some of you think that as you look at Jesus, somehow he's mad at you. He's angry at you. And that Jesus is saying, shame on you. And the whole power of the cross is that that shame of your sin was put on him. So he's, he's looking at you with the countenance of love and saying, just come to me and it'll be shame off of you. So if you raise your hand as this team begins to sing, love so deep. If you raise your hand, I want to pray for you and I want to pray with you. We're going to cheer you on as you stand and come. If you lifted your hand, just begin to stand and would you come down here and meet with me. I'll meet you right here and we'll pray together. You know, you raise your hand, you needed to raise your hand, begin to come. I think we ought to celebrate these people that are already making their way. Amen. Come on. Come on. Come on, everybody. We love these people. Nobody needs to feel unaccepted. Come on. Anybody else come today? Anyone else? Anyone else? Come on. This is an awesome moment of God's love. Love so deep is washing over me. to come and be with each one here and I want each one of you that came for I want you to look at me for a second okay let's just let's lock eyes for a moment I want you to know something you are not an exception to God's acceptance you are not you're not think of the greatest Christian one of my great heroes is Billy Graham Jesus loves you as much as Billy Graham he loves you as much as he loves the Apostle Paul there's no one that he loves more there's no one more accepted than you. You're not an exception. I don't know what the history is. I just know that Jesus is specializes in taking our lives and all of, of the issues and just letting grace and truth, grace and truth pour over us. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love today. It's this kind of love that will really reach down to the deep places and hold a conversation with us that we've not wanted to, to have. We're not dealing with symptoms today. We're, we're getting down to the root, to the cause, and it's your love that'll minister at the foundational level of our life and fix us, change us, and 
put us on a journey of transformation. This is a moment of amazing grace. This is a moment of the power of your love to feel welcomed, included. And Lord, not a person here has had to find you. This, this moment is your orchestration to get to where they are. Lord, I don't know all that's been going on in their backstory that even brings them to this place, but you do. And you've been at work. You've been, you've been working when they didn't even know it. Because you love them so much, Lord. You love them so much. That kind of love, which is perfect love, it confronts fear, it confronts shame, it confronts guilt, it confronts horrible choices, it, it confronts and it cares and it changes. Today, Lord, love is not only changing, it's healing. It's, it's powerful when we realize that we aren't excluded. We are accepted. Thank you, Jesus, for taking upon yourself every sin I've ever committed, every sin we collectively have ever committed or ever will commit. Thank you satisfying the righteousness and holiness of God so that God when he looks at us he looks at us through what Jesus did so I don't have to change to be accepted I'm accepted and then by your grace and your truth you begin to change me it's a progressive work it's a progressive beautiful work that Paul wrote about in Romans it's like a metamorphosis it becomes something beautiful and something magnificent and something majestic. That's the life that you have for each one here, Lord. And we thank you for it. We receive it. We're saved by grace and you're going to help us to work out our salvation by your grace. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Wow. Let's do this in closing. Just turn and tell somebody you really care about them, you love them, and uh, have a great afternoon. I hope you come back at 5 o'clock.